For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Today, we are reacting to and providing draft grades for a handful of NFL teams from the 2021 NFL Draft, the first part of our post-NFL Draft reactions and analysis. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Alex Skillstrap today. No Ryan Roberts, but he will be back soon. We will hear from him at some point regarding the NFL Draft and his thoughts. So today, as I said, folks, we are going to discuss some draft grades for uh, a good chunk of teams, some that we're going to be giving A's to. We decided to also give some C's to some average teams and then also some failing grades to four teams that didn't do so hot. Before we get to that, though, I need to share with you a message from our sponsors, Bet Online. If you didn't, didn't end up betting on the NFL draft, you missed out. It was a lot of fun. There were some exciting things that happened. And if you were listening to the show, you actually probably got enough insight to maybe make some money this weekend as Ryan kept pushing out, and Alex, you too, kept pushing out a lot of really good takes that ended up actually coming true during this draft. And Ryan was willing to bet on those takes, and he made some good money. But if you missed out, don't miss out on betting on any other events going forward, like the NBA playoffs that are coming up soon. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds that you need, and it is the best way to place your bets, as well as it's free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Alex. So we got through the NFL draft after so many picks, after three straight days of live streaming. It was an eventful uh, weekend to say the least, as there were not only some really, really great draft classes, but some seriously head-scratching decisions, and we're going to cover a little bit of that today. And to start us off, Alex, we're handing out some A grades. We're giving out four A grades to teams that we thought absolutely killed the draft and addressed some serious needs, as well as getting good value at these selections. Now, if you're going to pitch your first one, and I like this this one that you're pitching here as your first A grade, who is it? Oh, for me, someone, and I've been adamant about it, how I, how much I love this draft, and that's the Chicago Bears. Um, obviously, starting the night of round one at pick 20, looking like they were on the outside looking into these top quarterbacks, Justin Fields fell. He fell to pick 11. Chicago saw that as an opportunity to trade up with, with New York there, as New York didn't know exactly which direction they wanted to go at that point. But to trade up and get who I believe is the second best quarterback in this class at number 11 overall behind, um, you know, uh, Trey Lance, uh, Zach Wilson, and of course, Trevor Lawrence, were number one overall. I think that's an excellent value. And I've been on board of saying Chicago's a court, you know, competent quarterback. A, 
a competent quarterback away from competing in the NFL for for a Super Bowl even. So I think you get Justin Fields in the building and um, you, you give him a couple years, you get Allen Robinson a good target. I'm sure Allen Robinson's going to be a lot more happy moving forward as a top 10 or 12 wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, the defense has been speaking for itself over the 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 last few years and that's why they didn't really address defense too much in this draft they went really offensive heavy they carried that in on the day two where they only had one pick uh because they traded up again to go get a falling tevin jenkins so they got two guys in the first two rounds that i believe fell way past where they they should have gone so they they didn't have as many picks on the first two days as some other teams but it's because they traded up and they got guys that that fell to them or fell to those spots that they felt like was worth the trade up. And I agree. I think Tevin Jenkins was worth a first round pick. He was there seven picks into the second round. So to trade up and get him, like I said, with Justin Fields. And then they carry that momentum into day three for me. Uh, Larry Borum from Missouri. Uh, a lot of people don't really know his name outside of real draft Knicks, but, you know, powerful guy, someone that could move inside. But you have Tevin Jenkins power run style of right tackle. Larry Borum is a powerful potential guard. He played tackle at Missouri, but someone that's going to move inside, I believe, at the next level because he kind of is missing that movement skills and and some length. But it it seemed like they really, really wanted to prioritize power into the offensive line. They did with those two picks. Khalil Herbert in the sixth round is a value. I mean, someone that has the vision that he has, the short area uh, burst that Khalil Herbert has. I think he was a top five or six running back in this draft class that fell to the sixth round. Love the value. And they follow that up with Daz Newsome, the slot, slot receiver from North Carolina. Doesn't wow you um, from a size profile, from a even a athletic profile. But Daz Newsome is a silky smooth route runner that I think is really good after the catch. And if you want to get Justin Fields, some of that some of that production that he got out of Ohio State, the quick hitting stuff over the middle of the field, you can get that with Daz Newsome. Where they they finished up on defense with Thomas Graham Jr., who I think is an excellent depth corner with with great technique. Doesn't wow you athletically, kind of like Daz Newsom, but technically sound football player that you would not mind, um, you know, kind of covering the outside in a pinch. So, and then Kyrus Tonga from BYU, who was one of the last picks. I think he was the third or fourth to last pick of the entire draft. But someone that's really stout and run D, uh, someone that's going to take up space that can be in a rotation as a as a as a rundown kind of guy. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this draft class, too, and it's hard to really be sold on a class that doesn't have a third or a fourth round pick. But the fact that they end up almost lucking out, I would honestly say, by getting Justin Fields, enough teams overthink it. And we all said going into this that he was going to receive the Deshaun Watson treatment of being overthought. A lot of people questioning if the stuff that he did in college would translate to the NFL. But this is a fantastic athlete, a great quarterback. And because teams were willing to pass on him and let him slide a little bit, the Chicago Bears trade up and they're able to select him. Now, they do lose some picks for the future, but solidifying your quarterback situation after completely swinging and missing on Mitchell Trubisky, this is a really, really good move for them. And the fact that they're also able to shore up their offensive line with that Tevin Jenkins pick is a big reason why I love this this draft class for them. I don't think any of us would have expected Tevin Jenkins would still be available in round two, two, and he's probably going to turn out to be one of their starting tackles uh, in the near future. But there's also some good value in the remaining picks that you mentioned, especially love the Khalil Herbert and the Daz Newsome uh, selections in this class. My first A-grade, Alex, for this class has to be to the Buffalo Bills. And this is a team that was on the cusp of possibly making the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is continuing to improve and turning into a almost superstar quarterback at the level that we're seeing. 
and they came into this class needing a little bit of juice on the pass rush, some help on the offensive line to solidify things, and they were able to do exactly that. Getting Gregory Rousseau, who some people talked up as maybe being a top 15 pick, slots to them all the way at 30. So they're going to get a really, really good edge rusher, somebody who could probably add some more weight to his frame, rare physical uh, talent in terms of his size and his length. And they also then followed that up in a second with a second-round pick of Carlos Basham Jr., who's a completely different style rusher, but is still going to fit really well into a group that has some aging guys. But the pick that I absolutely love the most, separate from these other ones, is the selection of Spencer Brown in the third round, who we've all talked up. We've all said that this guy is going to be a physical freak. There's very rarely any human being on this earth that can move the way that Spencer Brown can at six foot eight, 315 or so pounds. So to grab him in the third round, because again, teams overthinking um, his draft value because he didn't play this season. They end up getting a guy who I think in a few years is going to be an elite tackle prospect. And one of the best probably right tackles in the NFL. I think he's capable of doing that. Some other good picks here, Tommy Doyle, Marquez Stevenson, uh, DeMar Hamlin. The rest of their draft rounds out pretty good, but I think that those top three picks is really what solidifies it for me, that they addressed needs and they added some seriously, seriously good value. No, I'm completely with you. I think the the fall of Greg Rousseau was was, you know, such great value. So so many people over the summer were so, you know, even top ten high on Greg Rousseau and it, somehow not playing another snap causes you to fall to where you're some people thought he wasn't even worth a third round pick, which is asinine to me because you can't teach the length and and just the size of Greg Rousseau. Nothing he does is really all that sexy. Uh, 15 and a half sacks in 2019. And none of it was like a, you know, perfectly, you know, swim move or or a perfect spin move. Nothing was really all that sexy, but it's hard to get hands on him with the length that he has and the size that he has. He's just hard to contain. His hands are always moving. That's why he got 15 and a half sacks. And I think that's going to actually translate fairly well to the NFL. I don't think he necessarily needs to be all that technically refined as I've, I've, I've watched his tape more and more. Like you said, Carlos Basham is a completely different type of defensive lineman, but more of a stout five tech run defending three, four defensive end that I think is, is going to hold up at the point of attack, a really good run defender. That's got a little bit of juice to him too. tested pretty well as well. Spencer Brown, one of the best tested offensive tackles ever. I think he ranked two uh, out of thousands and thousands of NFL draft prospects since like 1981, as far as his athletic testing numbers, like you said, Tommy Doyle, uh, kind of similar mold to Spencer Brown as far as the size profile and just kind of a little bit more rawness to him. Uh, you know, that, I, li- I like to pick in the fifth round the upside that he has. Marquez Stevenson is really the sleeper pick for me that I really like. Marquez Stevenson is someone that we've talked about for a couple years. Could have came out in 2020, but he had a he had a knee injury that that prevented him from doing so. He decided to come back to Houston for one more year. And this guy's speed. This that this is what makes him so special is his speed. And you know, in a Buffalo Bills offense where you have Josh Allen, who is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL already in his at, you know in his going into his third year, Marquez Stevenson can be that John Brown role that they lost and take the top off the defense and stretch the field vertically for for Josh Allen and the big arm in that Buffalo Bills offense. And you know, they added a couple of uh, defensive backs that I think are kind of similar in a way. They're kind of hybrid defenders. DeMar Hamlin out of Pittsburgh, Rashad Wild Goose, who is on the board as one of the best names in the 2021 NFL draft. I think both of them kind of play a, a hybrid role, cornerback safety slot role, but they both are going to provide 
I believe, um, you know, meaningful uh, snaps on special teams, which is what you want to see in the sixth round from defensive backs. I think they play with a good demeanor, and I think they're they're athletically going to stick in the NFL. Jack Anderson, the guard at Texas Tech, he's just a guy, but that's a seventh round pick. You're you're at the end of the end of the draft, so so offensive line depth doesn't hurt you there. But like you said, the first three picks are what really makes this this draft class really really exciting, and that honestly kind of gets into the gets into my next one. Where I'm, I'm talking about the New York Jets and the New York Jets. Zach Wilson, I'm not on board as the quarterback too. And and despite that, I think they did a really, really good job rounding out the first half of this draft class. Who I'm really excited about, Zach Wilson. Like I said, is he's my fourth ranked quarterback, and and that's no slouch to Zach Wilson. I think he's a top ten worthy quarterback. Um, but to trade up, and I know this is this is one of those decisions and one of these selections that are going to get differing opinions, but. Trading up to go get Elijah Vera Tucker, to me, was a good move. I love Elijah Vera Tucker. I, I actually graded him out higher than Rayshon Slater, who was taken just a pick before him. So, um, you know, the left side of that line is going to be, uh, for the foreseeable future, Mekhi Becton at tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard. I think you got a nice young group right there on the left side of the offensive line for for years to come. And if if you go back and you watch Zach Wilson's tape and, and what made him so successful in 2020, it was the RPO stuff that that they ran in 2020 that they didn't run quite as bit quite as much in 2019 and there before, um, and I think Elijah Moore is going to fit that perfectly. Uh, Zach Wilson being able to run the RPO offense, the quick hitting stuff, throwing from awkward arm angles over the middle of the field. Elijah Moore is going to be able to get open quick. This quick hitting stuff is going to be really really valuable. And I said it on the live stream Friday night when he was selected uh, with the second pick that night. Elijah Moore is going to be one of my dark horses to to lead the NFL rookies in receiving yards. And that's just going to be a testament to his role in this offense. He's going to take over that Jamison Crowder role. And Jamison Crowder's been a fairly productive wide receiver for the New York Jets over the last few years, despite not really being all that great athletically. What you get with Elijah Moore is you get the same role, but you get an elite athlete as well. So I think Elijah Moore is going to step into that Jamison Crowder role day one and be a very, very good football player for him. And it kind of goes into the rest of their draft, adding Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina in the fourth round, I think is great value at that point. Running backs, you know, a lot of media believes that running backs should be taken later than they are. But this is one where you can't shake your head at, at all. Michael Carter, the, the the 2020 season he had alongside Javante Williams at North Carolina to be selected here to be kind of a compliment back in that jet scheme, I think is awesome. And then Jamie and Sherwood, safety from Auburn, someone I was super high on, had a day two grade on him in the fifth round. I think he's just the most well, one of the most well-rounded safeties in this year's class from a coverage standpoint, a length and size standpoint, and physically imposing tackler at the point of attack. Um, you know, they, they rounded out the rest of their draft with a bunch of secondary um, and also a defensive tackle, Auburn, Jonathan Marshall. But, you know, one value pick that, a lot of people are saying that A plus pick at that point is in the sixth round. Homsen and Cyril Dean. This is the safety that some people were pushing for the first, you know, maybe early second round over the summer. Um, you know, obviously playing in that Florida State defense, uh, the coaching was bad, and a lot of those defenders saw themselves slip. Marvin Wilson, another one being went undrafted, but these are talented football players. You get them in the right situation under the right coaching staff. Homsen and Cyril Dean has a very, very high, uh, high ceiling. So I really, really like the way this Jets draft class shaped out especially in the first half like i said a second ago yeah i'm a little bit iffy on on this jets group and i was saying to you before the show 
I, I like some of the selections that they have. Zach Wilson, I'm not the biggest fan of. I, I don't really think that he should have been that second overall selection. And he, if we're talking about anybody in this group, if they're if they have bust written all over them, sadly to say, I think Zach Wilson might be one of those guys. But hopefully that's not the case. The fact that they traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker kind of killed me a little bit too. I thought that was a bit uh, aggressive to go and get an interior offensive lineman when they probably could have waited and ended up drafting one of the tackles or someone else along those lines. They must have been really sold on Vera Tucker. But I do like Elijah Moore. I do like Michael Carter. But I think that the fact that they went so heavy on defensive back was a little bit perplexing for me. They just took so many defensive backs and some good value in these picks. But I just... I don't understand why they didn't try to address some other needs on this roster instead putting what looks like five picks into either safety or cornerback. But I'm not going to, I don't want to nitpick too much. Um, I was a little bit lower, actually a lot lower at first on them than you were, Alex. You kind of sold me a little bit to bump them up, but I, I wouldn't necessarily, me, I would not necessarily give them, uh, give them the A. But if I wanted to give another team an A, which is honestly pretty hard to do when you don't have a first round pick. Uh, I have to mention the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm going to include in here, and some people might say, oh, you can't do that. I'm going to include here the fact that they spent their first-round pick on Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be their starting left tackle. Once they sign him to a long-term deal, he's going to be pretty good for that offensive line. That's an upgrade over whatever they had. But then their second-round pick, they go and get Nick Bolton, who is an electric linebacker who we talked up a lot over this process. Ryan saying early on in the process, maybe this is a first-round guy doesn't end up being a first-rounder, but Nick Bolton uh, has a lot of juice to him, and he could be a very good linebacker in this defense, not to mention the fact that after going and getting Orlando Brown Jr., they have a second second-round pick, which ends up being Creed Humphrey, who is one of the best interior linemen in this group, arguably one of the best centers, if not the best center in this group. So they're shoring up their offensive line, which was the clear glaring issue when they were playing in the Super Bowl. And then also the rest of these picks, nothing too crazy, but the fact that they're able to get Cornell Powell, I like that pick in the fifth round, seems like such a, 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 a stereotypical Chiefs pick in the fifth round for them to go and get a receiver like that. But the big one for me is that they're able to get Trey Smith in the sixth, who slid all the way that far because of the, the blood clotting concerns. If there's no issue with the medical stuff and he's able to play, this is a starting guard. They got three starting linemen out of this draft cycle, and and this is a team that we blatantly saw what happens when their offensive line isn't healthy. They could not compete in the most important spot, and now I'd argue that these moves to have three starting offensive linemen potentially is only going to make them better and make them even more dangerous for next season. No, I'm with you. I think the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is going to look a heck of a lot different um, in 2021 than it did just this past season, obviously. Uh, moving on from a couple guys and then bringing in this draft class and the, the the trade that they made with the Ravens and Orlando Brown Jr., like you said. Um, but I do. I, I agree with you. I think those two second-round picks, Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, were both value picks. I think both of them were top 50 picks, sliding to 58 and 63 respectively. So I, I really like those picks. Didn't love the fourth round, Joshua Kando. I understand the upside there with his length and his his size, but um, didn't really put it all together. I think he's a little bit more of a project than a fourth-round pick's worth. But Noah Gray, a tight end that I've I've been higher on throughout the draft process, brings you another receiving 
threat at the tight end position that I think is worthy of, of that selection. Cornell Powell, like you said, is just such a Chiefs pick. The smaller frame, thicker, speedy guy that can stretch the field vertically. I don't think he tested all that well, but I think his game speed and what he showed in 2020 throughout the season as he improved um, played played a lot faster on tape than his testing would suggest. So I think Cornell Powell's a, a great pick there, someone I was higher on as well. And then Trey Smith, like you said, if he checks out, this is a great value. And Trey Smith, someone I've been skeptical on since the summer when these issues and some of these things were, were coming up and um, being talked about. But that was the, those concerns were when he was thought of as the second, third, you know, maybe fourth round pick. But to get him here in the sixth round, at the back of the sixth round at that, I mean, that's a fantastic value in my opinion. And like you said, if things check out and he can stay healthy, this guy's going to be a starting guard in the NFL. He Physically, he is a starting guard. I mean, there, there's not many – uh, guards you're going to get in the sixth round that can that can impose their will physically on on defenders as well as Trey Smith can and has shown throughout the SEC schedule that he's played throughout his career. Oh, that brings me to my next one, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Now we are getting into the C picks, so that's the remaining selections that we had for A's. So the teams that we thought really knocked it out of the park, the C ones, and we decided not to go A, B, C, D because that would have been verbose. But the C grades are teams that did okay, didn't necessarily uh, have an elite draft class, but they addressed needs. They got some quality players. Uh, it's more so for the, the, the groups of teams that we thought, this is decent. It's like the white bread of the NFL draft. They'll probably <laughs> net some good results, but not necessarily a total home run. So who yeah. is your who is your C-grade pick? Yeah, for me, it's, it's a team that started off, I think, with one of the best drafts after round one, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings obviously starting the starting the draft at number fourteen overall. Moved back, traded back to twenty three um, with the New York Jets, and ended up netting Christian Darrisaw, someone that many people mocked to them at fourteen. So to get the person that um, you, that that many thought you would get at fourteen at twenty three at a cheaper contract um, while while gaining additional draft capital to me was a great great selection. But then. Day two came, and, and day two, I just wasn't as high on it. This was kind of like the beginning of the end um, for, for me in, in liking their draft class. Kellen Mond, um, in the third round, the beginning you know beginning parts of the third round, I just don't love it myself. Um, Kellen Mond has been someone that has been up and down his whole co- collegiate career, and, and I understand you need to start potentially thinking about a future past Kirk Cousins as his contract is is. is going on and it's coming closer and closer to a close that that contract he signed a few years back but I, I just don't think Kellen Mond's your guy um long term I just think the up and down play is something that you you don't want to live with I mean think about J, uh, Jameis Winston and his college career and obviously Jameis Winston came into the NFL as a much higher regarded pick than Kellen Mond but I think that's the level of play that you get from someone like Kellen Mond as far as the inconsistencies go, someone that, you know, one game will make you make you look like you you got a future MVP potential. And then the next game he would come out and throw ducks all day. So Kellen Mond is someone that I'm a little iffy on. Chasserat was the pick after that at 78 overall, someone that I'm notably low on. I just don't think he as a linebacker at North Carolina just did not show the physical the physicality to play at the next level. I mean, once an offensive lineman touches him, he's done. He can't get off blocks. And I understand he reads the field well, former quarterback. I understand the whole storyline. Um, you know, he, he understands the game of football really well. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a hustler. He, he's fast. He's got sideline to sideline stuff at times. But 
he just doesn't have the requisite physicality at the inside linebacker position for me. And then they had two more picks on day two. This, this is not the end of day two because of that trade back. Wyatt Davis, who who I think was a solid pick. Uh, the guard from Ohio State is going to come in and, and play a role for them right away. But Patrick Jones from Pittsburgh, just another pick where I just don't think he has enough traits to to make it long-term in the NFL, like I said with Chad Surratt. So day three, kind of a lot of the same stuff. Kenny Nwangu, someone that didn't even come onto the to the the radar of draft Twitter until he ran his his four two nine or whatever it was at the pro day. Cam Bynum, solid cornerback from Cal. Janarius Robinson, Amir Smith Marset, I like a good bit. I think he's got some upside as a fifth round wide receiver from Iowa. And then they rounded it out with Jalen Twyman, the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh, who who had a fall from grace. Someone that ha- is is an exceptional pass rusher from the inside, but doesn't do anything for you in the run game. Can't hold up at the point of attack. Uh, when offensive linemen are pressed with working downhill and creating holes. So, you know, like I said, started really well. I love what the move they made. They they got some of these additional picks like like uh, um, the Wyatt Davis selection uh, through that trade. So it's a it's a fine draft. That that's that's what you want with the C draft. It's it's fine. You got someone in Christian Darisol, I think could be a tackle of the future, but after that I got some questionable picks. I'm a little bit higher on this group than you are, I believe, and the big reason why I'm 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 very high on the group, and I probably would be willing to give them an A had they done a little bit better later on, was because of the trade back and the ability to still get Christian Derrissaw at 23 was fantastic. They came in here with an intent that they needed to make improvements on the offensive line, and they were able to do exactly that by getting Derrissaw. And then Wyatt Davis is somebody who could be capable of starting. Maybe not immediately, depending on how your offensive line shapes out, but he could turn into a quality starter on your roster. So to go and get two offensive linemen for me is why this is good. I see your perspective, though, here. There are some picks in this class that are just iffy. They're not really anything that that does a whole lot to excite us, but they're quality picks. And that's why I think it does fit that C category. I understand why you're giving them a C. I might go a little bit higher than a C, but the, all these picks that they had, so many draft picks, and we kept talking throughout the Mavs Sports Take live stream how this is a, a class that they're building out with a lot of young talent, a lot of cheap contracts, and in a few years when all some of these guys step up and they're able to play up to their potential, it could end up being one of the best classes uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in this group. But if I had to pick my average team, the one that I thought did eh, but good at the same time was the New England Patriots. They addressed the quarterback uh, situation by bringing in a young guy with Mac Jones. I think where they selected him at 15 was the realistic outlook on Mac Jones where he should have been selected in the first place uh, had we not hyped him up. Not us, but everybody else had not they had not had they have not hyped Mac Jones up. He belonged at 15 to a team like the New England Patriots. So now they have a quarterback I don't think we can say with absolute certainty that this is the guaranteed answer like some of these other quarterback selections, but he could turn into a very good starter, a quality starter, a slightly above average starter, which has been a a, a staple for success for what the Patriots need to do right now. They just need the pieces around Mac Jones over the next few years to play well, and I think this could turn into a good team again. After that, Christian Barmore was a good selection in the second round. They needed some defensive line help. He's the best defensive tackle in this class by, I think, a lot of people. So for him to, to get slotted early on in the second round was a good selection. 
But after that, it was just a lot of picks that it seemed like good old Bill Belichick decided to shop at the same schools. Oklahoma picks, Michigan picks, all these big programs. And the ones I'm referring to, Ronnie Perkins, decent pass rusher, not going to be an elite player, but just a quality guy to fit in that rotation. Ramadre Stevenson, we were shaking our heads out and questioning in the fourth round as a running back, and if that's really good value there. Cameron McGrone seems like such a typical uh, Patriots pick of taking a Michigan linebacker, and he could turn into a possible starter. But the remaining picks, not entirely sold, don't really have a giving me a whole lot here. Yeah, no, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think I'm a little bit higher, just like you were with Minnesota. I think I'm a little bit higher on him. I think, like you said, the realistic outcome for Mac Jones, the realistic value for him, I think was sitting around here at 15. I think that makes a lot of sense for what he was able to do in 2020 and in his phys- you know physical traits, you know, compared to the other top guys uh, in this draft class. I think if there's anywhere he's going to succeed, it's it's with Bill Belichick and, and New England because I think physically, from a physical standpoint, and this is going to get taken out of context, the last couple years of Tom Brady in New England versus current day Mac Jones, I think are very similar from a physical uh, skill set standpoint. Someone that can maneuver the pocket, doesn't do anything for you athletically, but average arm. I think Tom Brady, his last couple years in New England, had an average arm, and I don't think that should be a hot take, but it might be. Um, so I think I think this could be a, a match made in heaven. Honestly, I, I'm not. I wasn't huge on Mac Jones. Obviously, uh, someone that throughout the draft process, we on the the podcast talked um, like he's a second round guy. But obviously, at the quarterback position is going to get pushed up a little bit. So here at 15 makes a lot of sense. Christian Barmore, I think, was a good value for them to move up and get him. Um, someone that many believe thought was going to be a top 20 pick to get him at 38 was it was a good selection. Someone that I think if you get the if you get the good plays of Christian Barmore consistently, you're getting an all-pro level defensive tackle at some point down the road. Ronnie Perkins, like you said, I think you summed it up perfectly. He's a good pass rusher. I think he, he has some good um, pass rush moves in his arsenal, but he's never going to be that one guy that's going to get double-digit sacks year in and year out. But I think he's going to be a solid rotational uh, pass rusher in that defense. Ramondre Stevenson, you said we're shaking our heads at and skeptical a little bit. I'm not. I love the pick. Oh, you and were I one of the you were one I of the was, few people that did like no, it. Now that I remember, I, right? Yes, I really do like it. I like Ramondre Stevenson quite a bit. I think the the physicality he brings at 230 pounds or so. Um, I think Ryan was lower on him just because he lacks um, the home run ability, and I think there's plenty of running backs, you know, over the course of uh, of the NFL or throughout the NFL that don't have the 75 plus yard touchdown ability that are still valuable running backs because they can get you five to 15 yards at a time. And I think that's what Ramondre Stevenson can do. I think he's pretty silky. I think he's pretty smooth uh, getting in and out of breaks for, for, for a 230 pound running back. So I actually like the pick. I think he's going to succeed in New England in that backfield. Cameron McGrone, like you said, is He's a high upside guy. He's someone that has yet to put it all together, but you see it. You see the the, the ceiling with Cameron McGrone, someone that's super athletic as an inside linebacker for Michigan. And like you said, the, the rest of his draft class, sixth, seventh round, doesn't really do too much for him. I mean, Joshua Bledsoe, the safety from Missouri, he's a solid player, but I don't know much about William Sherman, the tackle from Colorado, if I'm going to be completely honest. And Trey Nixon, for me, was an undrafted grade, seventh round pick, just kind of whatever. But – I think I'm a little bit higher on Ramondre Stevenson. I like the Mac Jones fit and the upside that that can be in New England. Christian Barmore, I think, has has some great upside as well. So I, I, I kind of like this class. I'd give it like a B, B minus. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. I, I, I think that 
where I'm coming at here is just there. there's not really a lot of like elite players in the group, except maybe you could argue Christian Barmore. It's just they're filling needs. They're quality guys that are going to be quality starters and not really a whole lot more than that. I think that's why it's such a typical Patriots draft uh, for those specific reasons. So to wrap up, we're going to only do two F grades, actually, uh, just for time's sake. The first one I want to pitch here, Alex, is the Arizona Cardinals. I, and you disagree with me when we were talking before the show, I absolutely hate this Cardinals draft. I and, and it's not for the reasons that you would think. Some of these picks I like. Some of these players I think are going to be fantastic players for this team. But taking players at positions where they were already not 100% solidified, but already have starters at and are decent in decent shape at, I don't understand why they address those positions rather than trying to attack the major glaring need that they have, which is adding at least one offensive lineman. And I know statistically, I think like PFF has had them graded better than you'd expect. But if you go back and watch the film, the reason why Kyler Murray was not pressured that much is because he's incredibly elusive and fast and he's a fantastic athlete. More often than not, he was running for his life and he was able to get the ball out because, again, he's a fantastic athlete. So some help needed to be added on this offensive line. They choose not to do that. Zayvon Collins, I think, is a great pick, but you already have invested draft picks and also money into this uh, this pass rush and also into this linebacker group when they drafted Isaiah Simmons last year. I'm not entirely sold on where he's going to necessarily fit into this defense and again I just wonder why if you've already last year you invested picks in a linebacker why you would go back-to-back years of taking another linebacker when as I'm going to continually say they needed some interior offensive line help Uh, Rondell Moore love the player I think he's going to be an absolute weapon for Cliff Kingsbury a guy who just can't help himself when he sees an explosive athlete but at the same time Rondell Moore is not what this team needs. They already have a, a lot of receivers on this roster. Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins. I wouldn't really consider A.J. Green an elite player in this group, but is adding Rondell Moore really what this team in this offense needed to take another step forward? Uh, after that, Marco Wilson, Victor, Victor uh, Dimokeji, uh, you know, Tay Gowan, James Wiggins, those are all decent picks. I'm just more frustrated with the first two and in, in, in the irrational fear of, drafting offensive lineman lineman because the only one that they took was Michael Menon out of Penn State and that was in the seventh round yeah no I I mean I understand the 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 feelings towards this Arizona Cardinals draft class stemming from the fact that they need some offensive line help but I think I think they're trying to get a little quick pace I think they're trying to get a little um based on their draft class based on the moves they made and based on the way that they started to play down the stretch of the season they're trying to get a little bit more quick hitting um, so where offensive line need isn't really as pressing, they need guys that can get open quick. Obviously, Kyler Murray can play in that style of offense. Um, but Zayvon Collins, I, the fit doesn't really sit well with me. I don't know where exactly he's going to play, what role he's going to play. That's what I'm um, saying. Yeah, and I understand that. But Zayvon Collins, the athlete he is at the size he is at you know 270 pounds with the athleticism that he has, he tested out of the charts for that size. I think I think he'll find a place somewhere, and I think that the the talent will prevail there. Rondell Moore, I'm super high on. I love that pick. I think it fits perfectly in line with Arizona and what they want to do. Like I said, with the quick hitting stuff over the middle, um, you know, I don't think they need to stretch the field vertically with all the athletes they have at the wide receiver position now uh, in Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins, a yak receiver. Rondell Moore's a yak receiver. Christian Kirk can 
kind of uh kind of work the middle of the field. AJ Green's just kind of a guy at this point in his career, unfortunately. But Rondell Moore is 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 a great pick to me. I love the athleticism, you know, the squatty build. He's kind of like a running back once he has the the ball in his hands. Marco Wilson didn't love the pick, but we're talking a fourth rounder. Victor DiMichigi, I love. Uh that's someone I've I was high on throughout the draft process to get him in the sixth round. Um I think was was tremendous value myself. I think that he's going to be a good rotational edge presence, defensive end kind of guy. Tay Gowan I, kind of annoys me on Twitter, if I'm going to be real. He, <laughs> he always tries to play this chip on my shoulder kind of guy, and I'm the best corner in the class. But there is some things to like about his tape, especially in zone coverage. Um, you know, they needed to add some cornerback depth. So Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan can kind of step in and fill that for him um, with a little bit of upside for both of them too. Marco Wilson, I know, tested fantastic um you know jumped out the gym James Wiggins I really like as a safety in the seventh round and Michael Manette's just a guy but James Wiggins Wiggins I think can be a rotational guy special teams kind of guy so I actually like this draft class I wouldn't say it's an A but I would say this is a because they because like you said they they kind of looked away from some positions in need but they took values that came in uh, for, for what they think and I and I like some of the picks that they made so I'd give it a I'd give it a B minus no, you're, like you're a lot more generous than I am so if you had maybe, to give your maybe F, that's the case if you had to give your one F out of the four teams we ended up picking who who do you think is the solidified total F well I think the solidified total F is is the Los Angeles Rams but I don't I think everyone's gonna say they're an F and everyone's gonna touch on them on the po- their podcast I'm gonna just give you a little different take to me one team I hated their draft was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and and I might catch some flack for this because some people like their draft uh Joe Tryon to me is just not a good football player and I've said it before I think I don't think I don't see the upside with him I I see that he's a long athlete but I don't think his athleticism is all that exciting um, I, uh, outside of the long arm on the outside pass rush, I don't really know what he does all that well. So I think the, the, one of the worst first round draft picks, obviously Alex Leatherwood being up there, Peyton Turner is a question mark. I think Peyton Turner's a better pick for the new Orleans saints than Joe Tryon for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers based on my own evaluation. I understand there's other people with differing opinions and people are going to think, think about it differently. But for my personal opinion, Joe Tryon was not a good pick in the first round. You bring in Kyle Trask. The last pick of the second round. I don't hate it. I think he's a, um, I think he's a solid quarterback. I think learning under Tom Brady in that in that offense there in, in Tampa Bay. I think I think it's a good fit for him. He has wide receiver talent around him. I think that's where he's going to find success. So I actually don't I don't mind that pick whatsoever. But if you're looking to compete for a Super Bowl, you know, in these next couple of years with with Tom Brady as he's still your quarterback, I would think you would invest more in people that can help you in a rotational role right away. Robert Hainsey in the third round, I did not like this pick. I don't think he's really good at anything. I think he's average at everything. I mean, he can play all five positions, um, but I just don't think he's really all that good at any of them. So, I mean, it's one of those players that you feel comfortable if you need to, based on injuries, throw him in there. doesn't matter who gets hurt. If the center gets hurt, if the left tackle gets hurt, he can kind of do it all. So I, I see the value from that perspective, but I just don't think he really provides you with much upside anywhere. Jalen Darden, KJ Britt were the early day three picks. Jalen Darden, small receiver, but there's some something to like. His athleticism over the middle of the field I think can be a little fun. KJ Britt, I like. That's this is actually probably my favorite value pick. It's KJ Britt, the linebacker from Auburn. I think he plays with a physical nature that um, 
you know, that you would think is just going to be this this run defending linebacker. But at the senior bowl, when tasked to run one on one with running backs running option routes, he did a really, really good job throughout the throughout the uh, throughout the week at practice, just sticking with some of these athletic running backs like Michael Carter and some of these guys uh, when they had the choice to go left or right. Once they get to the to the point of contact with KJ Britton, he did a really, really good job foot quickness. So he actually surprised me there and I became higher on him than I anticipated. Chris Wilcox and Grant Stewart round out this class. Chris Wilcox is just a guy, but Grant Stewart's going to be a good special teams guy. But it really, my, my frustration with this draft class is you you didn't lose a starter, so I know there's not really too much for you to have to you feel the need to have to invest in, but I don't love the value of some of these picks. I don't think that they're going to provide enough for you in their first couple years um, for you to, to, for you to warrant picking them when you're trying to win now. It's just a it's just like Green Bay last year. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers for a few more years. Take advantage. Don't plan for the future. The future, just just bottom out once Aaron Rodgers. You go all in to win a Super Bowl because that's the end all goal. Don't try to don't try to just hedge your future. Um, and that's that, that that's what they're doing. They're trying to plan their future before their their current winning window is over. And I just think you should go all in to try to win a Lombardi Trophy because. I don't care about three to four years down the road if you if because you're not going to compete with Kyle Trask, but with with Tom Brady, you have two good years. Go ahead and try to win another one. And I just don't think that the picks match my philosophy for for where Tampa Bay's at. Well, the one thing with this with this roster, it almost feels like they didn't care who they took and they just kind of went with whoever they might have had some decent value on. And again, hedging for the future because everybody came back. Their whole roster ended up coming back. And I, again, I think that the front office was like, you know, we can do whatever we want. Most of these guys aren't even really going to get onto the field because we already have pretty much our whole starting roster still returning. So I, maybe that's part of the equation here. They just didn't decide to to be aggressive and they decided to just rest on the success from last season. And that's going to be interesting to see if that strategy is going to work out for them because not improving after an off season and every season is usually a negative. Staying right where you are, which is effectively what they did, can turn out bad for teams. Because other teams are going to get better. If you're staying where you are, how are you supposed to compete with a team like the Chiefs that really improved this offseason? No, I'm with you. I, I agree. I think Tampa should have used a different approach. I think I mean I think they think that Joe Tryon's going to come in and be a good rotational pass rusher with some some of the best pass rushers as we saw throughout the playoffs. Um, you know, he can be in a good rotation there, but I just don't see um, him being able to to really shed blocks at the next level with his size and his athletic profile. And then, you know, you have some backups, which are fine because you you bring um, in so many starters. So I understand the, the direction, but I just would have went more towards, um, you know, skill position players running back i they didn't add a single running back i'm kind of surprised by that i know i guess they they're gonna have faith with going with ronald jones under fournette moving forward so um i just i just thought they were gonna add a little bit more to win now and i feel like a lot of these these selections are more looking towards year three year four well hopefully they don't stay stagnant for bucks fans that want to see a repeat of last season I think that's going to be it from today's episode, our reaction and breakdown grades of the 2021 NFL Draft. We're going to come out with a few more episodes reacting to the draft and and sharing our analysis and thoughts. But at the same time, we're also going to transition to the 2022 class very, very soon. So stay tuned for we've got a couple more 2021 interviews that are going to run this week. So listen in, tune in for those, as well as eventually next week will probably be the start of it. 
where we're going to start hitting on a lot of fantastic 2022 interviews that you folks will 100% enjoy. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on social media at NFL Prospects Pod, um, at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Gilstrap, uh, at Rise and Draft for Ryan, and at Believe Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.